right, everybody, welcome to the 11th episode of the Backseat Huddle podcast. I am your host, Tristan Weber, and as always, I'm going to be taking you around the NFL, and I'm going to start with Tom Brady and the Buccaneers taking down the Seattle Seahawks 21-16 to in Munich. This team, if they continue to be this team, the team that's running the ball, that looks good, that plays good defense, the rest of the NFC needs to be on watch. Everything that the Buccaneers did on Sunday looked good. All the question marks that we had about them were answered. Most of them. Most of them. The Buccaneers did exactly what they needed to do to get back on track and establish themselves as a threat. They were statistically the worst rushing team in NFL history. And this week, two significant things happened. Number one, they secured the left side of their offensive line through the first eight, seven, eight weeks of the season. They were starting rookie second round pick Luke Gedeke. Uh, and he's since been replaced by Nick Leverett, who, according to Pro Football Focus, has the second best pass blocking grade on the team. And apparently he's doing a heck of a lot better in run blocking as well. And they also gave rookie running back Rashad White the start this week, which is something I asked for and clamored for last week. And he responded to the tune of 22 carries for 105 yards, which actually could have been more. But he slid uh, down late near the end of the game. And Leonard Fournette moving into a complimentary role. Also tacked on 14 carries for 57 yards. So what I do not expect out of the Buccaneers moving forward is for them to rush for 150 yards every single week. But if the rushing game moves to even being a serviceable part of their offense, so they do not have to lean on Brady so heavily and throw 50 times a game, this team absolutely should be right back in contention for a Super Bowl title. People forget that during that 2020 run, the Buccaneers had a wildly underrated running game. If you look back to their playoff run, especially the game against Green Bay, they really pounded the rock and they really established the run throughout that 2020 Super Bowl season. So it is extremely significant for them to be able to run the ball moving forward. And that seems like it would be obvious, but it's really kind of not. I mean, we live in a day and age where it's all about the passing game. It's all about the glory of the wide receivers. I mean, we saw it last year with Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow, and we're seeing it this year with down in Miami where teams are just chucking the ball around. But in Tampa Bay, it makes a huge difference for them to have a running game that they can lean on when they need to. It is very important for them to be balanced, and it is very important for them to have a running game if they want to try and repeat that 2020 season. I do have some concerns for the Buccaneers moving forward. It is not understated the fact that they lost Shaq Barrett. Rather, it is understated the fact that they lost Shaq Barrett. That is their best pass rusher. And this is a team that often has to rely on blitzing to get pressure on the quarterback. And now you're going to kind of have to double down on that based on the fact that your best pass rusher is now out. However, they do have one of the best inside linebackers as far as rushing the pass was concerned because Devin White has a tendency to be all over the place when he is rushing the passers. So if this Tampa Bay team continues to be able to run the ball with some sort of effectiveness and they put pressure on their quarterback like they did in the first half, this is absolutely a team that will be in contention come January and potentially come February. 
this team, that team we saw on Sunday, has the ability to make it to and to win the Super Bowl. So the Minnesota Vikings took down the Buffalo Bills in what was easily the game of the year. They took them down 33-30 to 30 in overtime this week. And I'm going to start off with the Buffalo Bills. Uh, and then I'll move on to the Vikings. So right now, now that the Buffalo Bills have lost this game, the narrative for the Buffalo Bills is the exact same as it is every single time the Buffalo Bills lose a game. And as a casual observer, me, I'm a nobody. You sitting at home, you're likely not a football analyst. But you know, and I know, they're too Josh Allen reliant. How do we both know this? And he is amazing. But they lean on him way too much. I mentioned this last week, just like everybody else, and I'm going to bring it up again. They get away from the run far too quickly. In the first half, the Buffalo Bills were extremely balanced. And the announcers kept bringing it up. They're going to stick to the run game this week. They're going to rely on their running backs this week to take, to take some pressure off Josh Allen, his injured shoulder. And is it any coincidence? Is it any coincidence at all that when the Buffalo Bills were committed to their running backs running the ball, which once again, the announcers kept talking about, they piled up a 17-point lead. Is there any merit to the idea? Riddle me this. Is there any merit to the idea, viewer at home, that when your entire offense is something other than asking one single human out of 11 on the football field that it is possible to be successful? Is it possible that when you ask other players on your offense to contribute that are capable of contributing, as we saw in the first half, that it is possible for them to succeed. And the answer is it absolutely is possible for them to succeed. So why is a casual observer, not a football coach, as a literal nobody, why is it so obvious to me that this team is better when they take some of the load off of Josh Allen and take some of the load and the pressure off of their quarterback? The second half was Josh Allen all the time. And here's a perfect example of it. I'm going to go ahead and put this on the screen. Sorry for my, my audio-only listeners. Up 10 in the red zone, they threw the ball four straight times. Four straight times. The first pass, they completed it for eight yards. So they were at second and two. Why not take one stab at letting your running backs run the ball? In the first half, they were averaging just about four yards a carry. So you're going to tell me that that Devin Singletary, Devin Singletary can't get two yards, just give him one attempt, even if it's only on second down. Then you still have two more chances for Josh Allen to throw it if you're that in love with the idea. They should be able to get the first down just once. Let Devin Singletary tote the rock. There are players on this offense that are not named Josh Allen that are capable of making a contribution, and they are not getting the opportunity. I'm not going to get into the coaching decision for them going for it on fourth down versus going for the field goal there. But I would like to bring some attention to just run the ball. But no, instead of giving them your running backs the opportunity, you put the ball in the Josh Allen hand. And I, you put the ball in the Josh Allen's hands instead of giving your other players an opportunity to pick up two yards or to have an opportunity to make an impact on the game. And I understand the thought process. Josh Allen is your best player but he's not your only player. Your offensive line was run blocking well. And even if you only run it 
that one more time. You still, like I said, have two more opportunities to throw the ball and try and get the touchdown. And it's really, it's just really frustrating because like I said, I'm just a casual observer and even I can tell this. So it's, it's impossible to me that the coaches in the Buffalo Bills building can't see it as well. And what's, what's kind of double frustrating about this is I talked about this a second ago is that the Buccaneers, right? Their lack of running game and lack of success in the running game was talked about ad nauseum with the Buccaneers. The only reason it's not the lack of running game success is not being talked about in Buffalo is because they have an extremely mobile quarterback to make up for it. And they just let the quarterback run the ball. Like give your other guys an opportunity. To double down on this stance that the Buffalo Bills do not give their running backs enough of an opportunity, and that one overtime drive that we saw, the Buffalo Bills did not call a single designed run play. Not a single one. Josh Allen had two scrambles, but they didn't run the ball even a single time. And I digress. They were given the ball with like three and a half, four minutes left, which isn't a lot of time, but that is enough time to run at least one single running play. And they also had two timeouts. They had an opportunity to at least give the ball to somebody not named Josh Allen. They're just flat out asking him to do too much. They are asking Josh Allen to be the only player on offense. And we're seeing exactly what happens when that happens. When you only have one player, you're asking to be your entire offense. If he makes mistakes and he's not perfect, you lose. End of story. And that is the Buffalo Bills issue. They only, they think that they only have one player out of 11 on offense that can make a contribution. And it's just not true. Okay. Which is really, really, really frustrating because I like watching the Buffalo Bills play. They have players all over the field, but apparently on offense, they feel Josh Allen's their only guy. On the other side of this game, the Vikings got a little lucky. Let's just call it how it is. I personally think that the Vikings are closer to the team that was down 17 than they are the team that came back and just had the furious comeback and won the game. But no less, it's time to admit this team is real. I mean, they're not they're not a one-loss team by accident. They're 8-1 and one right now. The only reason they're not the number one seed in the NFC is because they have the head-to-head -head loss against the Philadelphia Eagles. And I'm also prepared to argue that the Minnesota Vikings lost this game significantly more than the Buffalo. I'm sorry. I'm prepared to argue that the Buffalo Bills lost this game significantly more than the Vikings won it. But the Vikings did win this game. It took a lot for the Vikings to win this game. It took one of the most incredible catches and one of the most incredible moments I've ever seen in my life and a botched snap on the goal line and some head scratching coaching decisions on the other side for the Vikings to win this game. But at the end of the day, the score said that the Vikings won the game. And in a very weak NFC, even with the Buccaneers looking like they're getting back on track, it's time to admit that the, that the Minnesota Vikings record isn't a fluke. I mean, this is actually a good team. They deserve the respect that they earned in this game. They went toe-to-toe -to -toe with what we think of as one of, if not the best team in the NFL, and they won the game. Okay. And it's, it's wild because I don't think anybody looks at the Vikings, I don't, and thinks that they're as good as their record implies that they are. I just, 
and I, I want to give it to the Minnesota Vikings that they've won all these games. But the struggle for me with the Vikings is the way that they are winning isn't repeatable. You cannot expect to get into 10.7.17 point deficit week after week after week and expect to keep winning games. That's just not a legitimate way to continue to win in the NFL. And I also don't think it's reasonable to expect them to think that they can keep winning with Kirk Cousins. I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm still not a Kirk Cousins believer. I'm a Michigan State fan. But I, I just I don't think you can continue to win with Kirk Cousins throwing the ball near 50 times in one game like he had to against the Buffalo Bills. Now, to me, the Vikings remind me a lot of the New York Giants. If everything the Giants had was just a little bit better, they would look a lot like the Vikings. If their quarterback was a little better, if Daniel Jones would kind of be Kirk Cousins. If they had better wide receivers, significantly better wide receivers, they'd look a little bit like the Vikings. If their defense was just a little bit better, they'd look a lot like the Vikings. If their pass rush was just a little bit better, the Giants would look a lot like the Vikings. The one place that the two teams are not the same is running back, which is close to a wash, but Saquon is absolutely coming back on the season. Now, well, I feel and what I'm sure you at home feel is that the Vikings are not a real threat in the postseason you know I just I'm not I'm not ever gonna buy this team as a legitimate threat down the stretch because we just unfortunately we just haven't seen it but the way things are going with this postseason you also can never really tell I mean we we watched we all watched the Buccaneers in 2020 and then we all watched the Cincinnati Bengals last season and you can never really tell what's going to happen in the postseason but I don't trust this quarterback I don't trust the team with the first year head coach to make a bunch of noise in the postseason but right now the Vikings I guess you just got to give it to them I mean they've earned the right to be considered and one of those top teams in the NFL even if for me they don't pass the eye test but congrats to the Minnesota Vikings for winning the game of the year to this point so Staying in the NFC North, the Green Bay Packers defeated the Dallas Cowboys in overtime this week with a victory that feels something very similar to what we saw last week. Last week, we saw a similar thing happen to Tampa Bay. We watched them win a very close game in what we suspect will be a season-defining win, and I am willing to say right now, that win against the Cowboys is a season-defining win for the Green Bay Packers. This season, up to this point, uh, has very much felt like you reap what you sow for Aaron Rodgers. Up to this point, he he hasn't been flexible with his younger wide receivers, uh, the same wide receivers he didn't want anyway. He didn't work out with them in the offseason, and his team apparently missed out on a bunch of wide receivers, the trade deadline, and it just hasn't been a great season for the Packers from the start. But this game felt different. This game feels like a building block for the Green Bay Packers. Like I mentioned earlier, Tampa Bay win feels very similar. They were they won a game in the closing seconds. They come back, and then the Buccaneers win against Seattle this week. What reason could this not be the exact same thing for the Green Bay Packers? The Cowboys are a better team than the Rams are, and the Packers won. So there is no reason, once again, this shouldn't be a season-defining win 
for the Packers. And what I loved for them this week is all season long, everybody who's watched the Packers has been asking them to play to their strength and feed their running backs. And they finally, finally did it. They finally did it. And I'll be, I just, I love it. They ran the ball more than they passed the ball. When's the last time that the Green Bay Packers put up 31 points and Aaron Rodgers' stat line looked like this? It just, I mean, he barely threw for over 200 yards and they ran the ball more than they passed it. And I'll be honest, I don't even like Aaron Rodgers. I haven't for years. I think his leadership is awful and I hate his body language and I don't like him in general and his girlfriend is named Blue of Earth. But <laughs> this league is way more intriguing when the Green Bay Packers are a good team. And if they continue to lean into their running game like this, if the Green Bay Packers continue to lean into their running game like they did against the Cowboys, the Green Bay Packers are going to make the playoffs as a wild card. They're going to end up the seventh seed in the NFC, and they're going to sneak into the playoffs. They have winnable games left on their schedule. It's not super easy, but the Green Bay Packers have winnable games on their schedule. I'm going to predict the Green Bay Packers are going to win six of their next seven games and sneak into the playoffs. They have some winning teams on their schedule, but they also have teams with easily identifiable weaknesses. The Packers play the Titans next week, and I think the, the, the Titans are the most fraudulent team in the NFL. They play the Bears, whom they've already beaten. And the Bears have a bad defense. They play the Rams, who are down a quarterback, down Cooper Cup, haven't been good all season. They play the Dolphins, who don't play good defense, and they close out the season with the Lions, who I'm not going to pick to sweep Aaron Rodgers. They do have tough games against the Eagles and the Vikings, but they are going to beat at least one of those teams, and the Packers are going to make the playoffs this season. Speaking of the Philadelphia Eagles, I'm going to end my show with the Philadelphia Eagles. The Philadelphia Eagles undefeated streak is over. And you are not going to get a knee-jerk overreaction out of me. It happens. You know, you can't win them all. The Philadelphia Eagles lost to the Washington Commanders because they made a bunch of mental mistakes against a division opponent. And it happens. It just happens. The Eagles have played eight straight games without a bunch of mental mistakes. And I anticipate them to keep playing the way they did the previous eight games versus how they did against the commanders coming into this game. The Philadelphia Eagles had three turnovers all season long, and they had three in the one game against the commanders. I don't think it's repeatable to have one turnover every four games or every three games like they were doing. But against the Commanders, quite frankly, they had some weird luck. I mean, the Philadelphia Eagles had a one, they had one fumble on a blown face mask call, which I'll show. And then they had another fumble in just a weird mental mistake by Quez Watkins. We see this play all the time. And we don't see this play being a fumble very often. It's just a total normally total normal play that Quez Watkins just fumbled. It was just a mental mistake. And I, like I said, I don't anticipate the Philadelphia Eagles having three turnovers in every single game moving forward. But the Eagles were in an opportunity. They were in position to make a attempt to win this game. They had a three and out late in the fourth quarter just after the, they had a three and out. The Philadelphia Eagles had a three and out just after the two minute mark. But there was a really boneheaded 
late hit on Taylor Heineke that just completely killed their the Philadelphia Eagles opportunity to get back on the field and win this game. I mean, if we watch this, I'll put it up on screen. If we watch this, if that penalty just doesn't happen, if Brandon Graham just doesn't hit Taylor Heineke late, we might be talking about a whole different ball game. This puts the ball in the Eagles' hands with an opportunity to drive down the field and win the game with a touchdown. But they never got the chance, and that just killed the Eagles. It really just killed the Eagles. They took three knees and had to do the weird lateral thing thereafter. And it was just a really, really, really bad mental error that more or less cost the Eagles the game. Okay. So in the end, the Washington Commanders just played really well. They perfectly executed their plan on offense. And congratulations to the Washington Commanders for winning on Monday night. And it sucks to lose for Philadelphia. It really does. But there's zero cause for worry in Philadelphia. Philadelphia Eagles just didn't play their best game of the season. And we've only seen one team win every single game. And we've seen two teams in the however long 60 years the NFL has been around not lose any regular season games. Okay. I, this is not a big deal for the Philadelphia Eagles. Let's please just not overblow the fact that they lost one game. They still won eight. So let's not make a big deal out of it. Yeah. Cool. So that's my show. Hopefully y'all liked it. Feel free to like and subscribe. Take care, everybody.